Building a successful copywriting business is a challenge even when everything is running smoothly, but that almost never happens as most listeners would know. Several of our guests on the podcast in the past year started their business during the pandemic and worked really hard to overcome the challenges that that presented. But there are other challenges to face down, things like difficult clients, growing your skills, and some copywriters even have challenges like things like ADHD. Today's guest on the Copywriter Club podcast is Martha Barnard-Ray, and she opened up about what it's like to run and grow a copywriting business with ADHD. It's eye-opening, and if you struggled with focus or lack of attention, you may want to stick around for this one. And even if you haven't, there's a lot of really good advice that she offers that applies to all copywriter businesses. And now let me remind you that this podcast is sponsored by the Copywriter Accelerator. That's our program that helps copywriters, content creators, and other marketers lay a solid foundation for their business. If you're already a good writer, you're already good at the thing that you do, but you're still struggling to build a business that supports you, the Copywriter Accelerator is the program that can help you get over the hump. From thinking about your business as a CEO instead of as a writer or a service provider, to strategies for getting yourself out in front of the right clients, building a great brand, creating packages that people want to buy, the Accelerator will help you set up your business for success in the coming year and beyond. Go to thecopywriteraccelerator.com now to join the waitlist so that you get notified as soon as we open up. And we will link to that in the show notes, just in case you're driving or otherwise occupied and can't look that up right now. And before we get to our interview, let me introduce my co-host today, Masha Cohen. Masha is a copywriter and strategist for interior designers and builders. She's a member of the Copywriter Think Tank and a former Accelerator member. Masha, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Rob, and thanks for the introduction. And I'm so honored to be here. I've been a, I've been a loyal listener for over three years. And as you mentioned, I've been in the Accelerator and now in the Think Tank. And I absolutely love both communities. They've given me such tremendous support and um, community accountability and weekly trainings, all those things. So thank you so much. Amazing. So I'm thrilled to have you here. We're going to chat in just a few minutes. Um, but for now, let's get to our interview with Martha. I was a teacher. I used to be an English teacher. Uh, and I, so I live in a place called Denmark, Western Australia, which is on the southwest corner of Western Australia, 450 kilometers south of Perth, which is the most isolated city in the world. Um, and the school that I worked at was 70 kilometers away from my house. And my husband is the only paramedic in that place. And so like his hours are really weird. And I was just like, I feel like doing all this driving and all of this stuff is just too hard. And I don't think it's supposed to be this hard. Um, and so I looked, I was sort of looking for something that I could do. And I'd always sort of been a writer and I had a friend who was a copywriter and turned out she was one of the first digital copywriters in Australia. She's been at it for a while. And she was just like an amazing mentor to me and gave up sort of her time. I had Wednesdays off or something and we'd catch up on Wednesdays and talk about copywriting. And we ended up being business partners for a couple of years. And it was really great because it meant that I 
didn't make, you know, all the mistakes that you make in your first year of running a business. Cause like she had a template for everything and she had, you know, she'd quoted for projects like this before. And, and then after it just sort of felt like she still had her own business at the same time. And I was, my business is called word candy. And I was really focusing on word candy stuff. And I just kind of said, I don't know. I feel like, you know, we're done here. And she's like, yeah, definitely. And we just like parted ways amicably, but we're still friends. So it's, yeah, it was a really, really good way to learn how to run a business as a copywriter. And forgive me if I'm mistaken, Martha, but you don't sound like you're from Western Australia. How did you end up there in the first place? So I'm from Canada, um, Toronto, Canada, and I moved here with a man. Um, and then like, I have a lot of friends that are, that like moved here with a man and they're all broken up. And so it's like, oh, so-and-so moved to Australia with the man and they broke up and you're like, yeah, obviously, like, of course they're broken up. (laughs) So we, we sort of split and I stayed because Perth, I don't know if you've been to Perth in Australia. A lot of people don't kind of make the trek, but Perth is offensively beautiful and it's always warm and sunny and it's like gorgeous. And so I stayed here and then I met my husband, David, and I stayed forever, which my parents are not happy about. (laughs) Okay. So, um, can you share a rough timeline if, if, you know, if you can add any dates as far as like when you left teaching, when you started the partnership, because that just helps me kind of piece it all together. Yeah. So I was teaching, it was beginning the beginning of 2019 that I sort of was like, I need to do something else. Um, I took a copywriting course and then I started that sort of mentorship with my friend Beck um, and started the business during that sort of beginning of 2019. And then by the end of 2019, because the school year ends in December here. So by kind of the middle of the year, I was like, this is work. This is good. This is working. I'm, you know, earning money, like not enough to replace my salary, but I was lucky enough that that was kind of okay for a period of time. And then I, so I resigned and finished teaching at the end of 2019, the best time to finish teaching in the history of the world. Well done. Um, because obviously of the pandemic. And so, yeah, when everybody at the beginning of 2020 was like, oh, we're all learning how to work from home and it's really hard. And I was like, yeah, I'm learning how to work from home and it's really hard. And, and that was when I kind of started to think, oh, there's something going on here with focus and attention and that sort of stuff. Um, and then that partnership, I think we finished that in 2021. So okay. yeah, we worked together in a partnership for, yeah, from 2019 to 2021. And then I've been a sole trader since sort of like April of 2021. Okay. That's really helpful. So as a follow-up, how, I guess, how would you advise other writers look for a partnership like that? Cause I think that most of us don't start off that way, working closely, almost like an apprentice with another copywriter. I think that's a really great way to start. So, yeah. um, what would you look like? What would you look into to find an opportunity like that? So it works well for other copywriters. Listen, it was a complete fluke um, that that happened. So it wasn't something that I kind of planned. 
Yeah. Um, the interesting thing was that I kind of got onto social media and was doing some social media stuff. And my, my partner Beck was like, she just doesn't have any social media channels for her business. Cause she's like all word of mouth. Cause she's been doing it for so long. So she was the one who was like, this is cute, but like, why are you doing it? And I was like, cause this is what you do. And so she, it was interesting because she didn't know anything about social media. And so we were able to help each other kind of back and forth in that way. Um, but I mean, I guess you really need to find somebody that you gel with and someone who's willing to, you know, make that investment in you. And I feel really grateful that she did. And I, and, and I think too, like, because we were working together and she was earning money as well, it felt a little bit more, you know, I didn't feel so greedy for like, <laughs> asking her for, you know, assistance and stuff, but we just had a situation where we would both, you know, we would go kind of like, I'll work on this project, you work on this project, but everything that went out for the first like year and a half, she kind of looked over. And, and so I got a lot of feedback from a professional writer. I was listening to your podcast this afternoon with Mary, I can't remember her last name, Atkins, Atkins yeah. the writer, um, talking about like how you shouldn't like let your friends fly a plane or I, it wasn't that, but it was like <laughs> getting advice and feedback from a person who actually knows what they're talking about is so valuable. And that was really valuable. So I think it was, yeah, it was really just luck that, that I kind of like found her and, and, and that I knew her. And then I guess I kind of just asked for help and I said, Hey, like, can I ask you some questions about copywriting? And then she was just like super generous. So, I mean, if anybody can swing that, I highly recommend it. (laughs) So this might be a hard question to answer, but um, you know, in these kinds of relationships, obviously somebody is giving you something, you know, that, that experience, the feedback, possibly helping find clients, that sort of thing. But you had to bring something to the table too. Uh, obviously you knew something about social media, but what else did you do to make sure that that partnership worked for both partners for, you know, two years? And it wasn't just somebody giving you and giving you and giving you, and which obviously is a recipe for, for failure eventually. Well, I'm like really fun, Rob. So <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> um, I think that, I mean, for one thing, so we had a spreadsheet where we would put in like whatever the project was and then the effort that each of us put into that project. Um, And then it was very clear, like we'd never kind of really disagreed about how much effort it was, but it was really clear, like, you know, if I put in 75% of the effort, then it would spit out the amount that, you know, is owed to me in the end. So we were both earning money kind of commensurate with kind of what we were doing on each project, but then I was doing everything else. So when it came to like networking and marketing and all that kind of stuff, like I was the engine of the business and she was kind of the one that kind of came in at the end and was like, oh, you know, I recommend this and I, I recommend that. So it, I mean, I think it came at a good time for her as well, I think, because she had always been super busy and was in like the her first kind of like slow period. And she was like getting a bit, you know, she has a very fatalistic sort of idea about these things. And she was like, well, I guess this is it. Like, I'm never going to write another word of copy again. And so she kind of was like, oh, I'm going to 
just work with Martha because like maybe my whole business has dried up across all of Australia and maybe I need to focus more on kind of, you know, this other type of business. So it, it was just, um, I think really good timing for both of us in that way. Yeah. I'd love to hear what you did marketing wise, since you were putting in the effort there, what that looked like and what was, what was working at that time, what, you know, pulled in clients and maybe it's something that you're doing today as well. Well, like, yeah, at that time, like Instagram was a different beast, it feels like. And so I just was on Instagram and, you know, being helpful and sort of learning bits and pieces and sharing them. And I kind of targeted at the beginning of the business at sort of the DIY copywriter with tips and tricks and that kind of stuff. And then after a couple of years, sort of, I still kind of do a little bit of that DIY stuff, but my target audience is not the DIYers. So I've focused a little bit more on LinkedIn lately. Um, But it's, yeah, I, I feel like the whole marketing kettle of fish is a bit up in the air right now. Um, and so I don't really honestly know what I'm, well, I think I'm, I'm getting some good leads and stuff from LinkedIn and putting a little bit more effort into that. And, and that is kind of paying off. Um, but yeah, I started off, yeah, just on Instagram and I kind of really just focused on Instagram and now I've kind of moved on to LinkedIn and my email list. And what does a typical project look like working with you, Martha? Is it, you know, generally websites? Is it still social media? Some combination of like all of the things, you know, if if I'm hiring Mm -hmm. you, what am I generally hiring you to do? Yeah. So I don't do social media anymore um, because I just don't enjoy it. Um, Most of my projects at the moment are website copy projects. Um, I also, cause I used to be a teacher, um, I've done quite a bit of work with schools. So at the moment I'm working with a school in New South Wales, which is like in another state across the country. Um, and they do like a kind of, you know, semi-annual yearbook that I'm writing all the articles for. Like, so they've kind of realized like, oh, these are a bit not great and no one's really reading them. So, and that's a bit of a retainer thing. So like, we'll do that and then we'll do a website project and then we'll sort of just work on different sort of things with that client. Um, And then, yeah, a lot of website copy and now more and more because I've been promoting my hyper-focus week service, um, people are kind of realizing like the value of email sequences and sort of nurturing the clients that sort of already know about them and that sort of stuff. So I'm doing quite a bit of that as well. So when you left your, your partner, um, that partnership ended in 2021, um, what did you do? Like, did you have to work on your mindset or, you know, is there anything that you had to focus on to take that leap or did it just feel really natural and you were ready and you just kind of took off after that? Yeah. Well, it, it felt really natural because I was like, we, she and I had a conversation And I sort of said, like, I want to do a bunch of stuff and I wanted to invest a bit in the business. And she just has like a very lean business model, which is, has worked for her. And so was really not interested in kind of putting money back into the business. And I wanted, there was stuff that I knew I wanted to do. 
I've also been doing like quite a lot of um, speaking gigs and and that sort of stuff, which is like my own thing. And that kind of had nothing to do with her. And so it was sort of a matter of like, there are lots of things that I want to do. And, you know, and at one point I sort of said, so what do you, you know, what do you think? Like, what do you, and she said, I honestly don't really think about word candy that much. And I was like, well, yeah. So, and we jo- just both kind of went like, yeah, I think like it's time to, to separate. And we had a partnership agreement from the beginning where I think we both put in like 1500 bucks or something. And we had a partnership agreement where we kind of laid out, you know, what we each expected and what we had planned to do in the event that we wanted to split up or whatever. Um, and so like, we just did those things and then it was fine, which was really good. I know that a lot of partnerships, um, can go really badly. And I, the reason why I wanted to separate is because I could feel myself getting resentful Mm. about like, you know, I live and breathe this business. And, and I, I think I pictured it also being more of us like working together and it just didn't end up being that way because of just, you know, the way that we work and her other work and and that sort of stuff. But it was, yeah, it was really great while it was happening. And then like, we just ended it at just the right time. Yeah. It sounds like it worked out perfectly. So when you were telling us about your transition away from teaching, you kind of hinted at this, uh, at least I picked up on it, that you found it difficult to focus as we came into 2020. And I, I, I mean, looking back, I'm not sure that that wasn't a pretty common thing for a lot of us because of so much yes. going on. But for you, I think it was a little bit more than just the pandemic. You talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So the, the really interesting thing with teaching is that, um, it's very regimented. So it'll be like, I have 20 minutes to do this thing. And so you just do it. But when you're working from home, there's like unlimited time. And so what I was finding is I was getting really frustrated by the fact that I, you know, I would have, you know, these three things that I wanted to do and I really wanted to be productive and I just wouldn't do them. And I was like, I know that I can do these things. I have the skills to do these things. I want to do these things. And I just wouldn't. And so I I actually wasn't concerned about, about it really, because everybody was like, oh, like, you know, working from home is so hard. And because at that time, everybody was working from home. And it actually, I, I had a doctor's appointment for like a completely unrelated thing. And this doctor just was asking me about um, anxiety because I had been diagnosed with anxiety after I had kids, which is very common for women with like any issue. They're like, you've had kids, you must have anxiety. So I was diagnosed with anxiety and, and I was talking to this doctor who was happened to be like a friend's brother and was like happy to have this super long appointment with me, which was just amazing. And he eventually was like, so what is your anxiety like? And I said, oh, I just get really overwhelmed and overstimulated. And, and he was like, oh, how do you go with like grocery shopping? And I was like, I cannot grocery shop. Like, how do you, you know, what about looking for things? Like, and so he asked me all these questions and I was like, finally, I was like, do you think I have ADHD or something? And he was like, well, you know, I can't diagnose you, but like, there is this diagnostic test that you can do. And you guys, I got like a really high score. Um, so it's, and I got off the, the zoom 
And I went like out into the kitchen and my husband was standing there like surrounded by like every dish and vegetable that I'd used to make my lunch two hours earlier. And I was like, John thinks I have ADHD. And my husband, David was like, he looked around and he's like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Yeah. So, and then like, I used to be a teacher. And so I thought that I knew quite a bit about ADHD, but it turned out I didn't really know very much about it at all. And it really manifests differently in women and girls as well. So I learned a lot about it. And, and what I really learned is that like, oh, okay, this thing about me, like this affects every part of my life. Um, I think a lot of people think that ADHD is just about you can't focus, um, but it it's not. Um, so executive function is there are sort of, you know, between eight and 12 executive functions that our brains kind of know how to do to some degree. Um, and people with ADHD can really struggle with like some or all of those executive functions. So there are things like task initiation, task completion like um, metacognition, which is like making connections, changing to like from one task to another, but also like emotional regulation. And that, so there are some really significant um, things that are affected by ADHD. And so when I was sort of like, I just want to do these three things and I can't do them, like that, you know, that affects like your mindset and like, why can't I do that? Like, I'm not, I'm not stupid. Like I was, and I was like, well, maybe this isn't the right job for me. Like you just start kind of questioning everything. But, but then when I kind of got diagnosed with ADHD and started taking medication to help me with my focus, I was able to like feel better throughout the day and have these like successes as opposed to like quote unquote failures throughout the day. And so that like when my kids got home at the end of the day, I had like more resilience in the tank to deal with like that stress if there was stress, if that makes sense. So it it's like I kind of describe ADHD as like death by a thousand cuts. And like so when you explain the things, the ways that it affects you, that it affects you, it feels like just really insignificant things. But over time, it's just really draining. And, and you kind of, you just have to work harder than other people at like normal, quote unquote, easy things. So like grocery shopping, right? Like I, I, so I hate looking for things and grocery shopping is just like, an hour of looking for things like I would rather die. (laughs) So those things that everybody finds so easy, I was like, why can I not do these things? Um, and, and a lot of that is to do with ADHD. Okay. I can relate to the grocery store for sure. Um, how, how do we know if we're just, if we're overwhelmed and just a naturally kind of anxious person, Mm. Or if it is ADHD, I mean, we, there's definitely, we should get tested, right? That's definitely a good mm. step. But I think that's where I get tripped up. Cause I'm like, am I just an overwhelmed person mm-hmm. <laughs> or is this something else? Um, yeah, yeah. So the, what um, that doctor said to me was like, the, so there's a, there are reasons why women and girls are not diagnosed. Um, one of them is that, you know, it, 
the little boy child that you think about when you think about ADHD, like that is bouncing off the walls and, you know, being behaving like my youngest son um, is that's, you know, stereotypical, but in girls, it manifests in different ways. And so it can manifest like the hyperactivity can be in the mind rather than in the body. So if you're kind of like, um, you know, anxious, if you're like an overthinker, it can lead to like stomach aches or muscle pain. And there's all different kinds of ways that hyperactivity can manifest. Um, but if you are finding like, honestly, I mean, I know there's like all this conjecture about people like self-diagnosing on TikTok, but that's actually like the democratization of medical care. So it's actually people sharing their lived experience and other people can go like, oh my God, I just thought I was like useless. I didn't realize that like (laughs) I had, you know, this neurological condition. So, so my doctor kind of said to me, you know, girls also kind of, uh, you know, work around diagnosis or get looked over because the pressures put on them to be like compliant and to be good and to be quiet. Like they just find ways around people noticing that anything's wrong. And my doctor said to me, like, you know, you put all these things in place to help yourself and then they work until they don't work anymore. So like before I had kids, I was okay. Right. Like I, I I didn't really struggle in school and I didn't really struggle in university. Um, But that sort of doesn't mean I didn't have ADHD. Like people have it in really different sort of um, manifestations, I guess. But when the things that you put in place fall apart, it's distressing, he said. And he said, but like, there's so much we can do to help you. ADHD is the most treatable condition in psychiatry. And so, you know, if, if you are like resonating with the content that, you know, people are dismissive, but the content that people with lived experience are making, and you're going, oh my God, like, yeah, I really resonate with that. Then like, go to your doctor and have a conversation with them. Like there are, you know, tests that you can do online and and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know how it works in the States, but in Australia, I went to this GP and then I was referred to a psychiatrist and, um, yeah, like the GP wrote this letter that was like, um, Martha got, you know, there's, there's, there's inattentive type ADHD, hyperactive type ADHD and combined type ADHD. Um, ADD is not a thing. Uh, and I got really high scores on both inattention and hyperactivity. So I have combined tape ADHD. And he said something in his letter, like Martha got five out of six on the first half and 10 out of 12 on the second half. And she missed one question altogether. And I was like, how dare you? (laughs) So it was pretty obvious. Right. And, and it was just so affirming to be like, oh my God, like there's, you know, I can do all these really difficult things, but like, I just can't do these like normal things because they're so boring. And my mind is just like always after the dopamine. Like it's a, it's a, it's a brain function issue. Right. And and you can't get around it by like positive thinking or like lavender. It's (laughs) there's, there's some real, you know, good things that you can do that can help. 
And I imagine, you know, tracking along with this kind of a thing, you know, the rise of phones and social media and distractions and notifications and all of the things going along just makes it worse. Is that, is that true? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it does, but it's, it's uh, like, for example, the other day, um, I was having a really hard time with the, the ADHD was strong in me on Sunday. And so I was trying to leave the house with my son and we were going to like meet a friend and I was late. And I know I was like, you know, this woman that I was late to see was like the woman who organized the TEDx event where I did the TED talk. And she's a dear friend and she knows that I have ADHD. And I was like, I don't want to tell her because then, you know, she's going to know that it's because ADHD, it's because of ADHD. And you just get like so negative kind of towards yourself. And so I was nervous about being late and I was nervous about telling her and I was, and then like, I went in and out of the house, like seven times probably because I forgot like the wetsuit and I forgot this thing and I forgot that thing. But the most kind of ADHD thing that happened that day was, um, I was, I found myself standing in the kitchen with no recollection of why I was in the kitchen because I had forgotten I was hungry. So it's like, and you're standing there and you're like, I know I must've come here for a reason. And then you have to think about it and you're like, Oh, I'm hungry. Like, so it's just, it's, it's so much more than a distraction. It's like, it's like, sometimes it's like just wading through water and it like it affects you know sensory stuff and and the way that I kind of hear and process things and and it it just is amazing to me now that I know all this stuff I'm like I don't know how I was like living before <laughs> I I understood this about myself and and like yeah phones are distracting but I also find like the looking at the phone and like taking a few minutes and just like I find it actually regulates me a little bit. So if I'm, you know, overwhelmed or, or whatever, I can sit down and like watch some TikToks or read some articles or something. And I, I find that very um, calming. So it's a, I mean, listen, I do get distracted by the phone a lot, but <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's just bigger than that, than that kind of, oh, look, a, you know, a butterfly. It's this, it's a real, um, it's yeah, an all-encompassing sort of thing that's really difficult to explain. Um, and thankfully, like I was diagnosed at a time where people are actually, a lot of people are at least try to be kind of understanding, which is lucky. Okay, so we're about halfway through our interview with Martha. Let's break in and talk about a few things that stood out to us. So Masha, I'm gonna let you start. Initial thoughts, what, you know, these first 30 minutes or so uh, has struck you as being important? Yeah, I absolutely loved uh, this uh, conversation with Martha, uh, especially about 
um, her partnership. I love the idea of having a partner. Um, like she said, someone you gel with. I think there's not enough conversation happens about partnership with copywriters just because it's so hard to find a good one. Uh, but it got me thinking for a second. My dad had a partner for over 20 years and his, his was very successful businessman. He was an entrepreneur before I even knew what entrepreneurship was. And yeah, he was with a partner for 20 years. I think it was such a perfect um, partnership uh, because you have to be aligned. You have to balance each other out. You know, they were completely polar opposites, but I think that's why it works. So it kind of got me thinking that I'd love to maybe consider partnership in the future. I provide website copywriting. I'd love to find maybe a web designer to, um, to partner up with, but I don't know. It's hard. What about you? What do you think about that? It's funny because every time Kira and I are asked to appear on somebody else's podcast, we tend to get asked about partnerships. So we, we've definitely talked about it quite a bit. And we've talked about it here on our own podcast a bit. But I think that a lot of us could do more, maybe not even with formal partners, but having other service providers that we can rely on. Like you said, like connecting with a designer in your business. So if you write sales pages or websites, being able to work with a designer who is familiar with your processes um, can make it so much smoother for the client, can be a, a value add that you can charge for. So rather than just saying, hey, here's all the copy and go find yourself a designer, or even here's a couple of designers that you know, I recommend, um, being able to take that project and say, okay, here's the copy. If we're good to go, let's start working with the designer to put it together. I think that that can work really well. Obviously, that's not the only kind of partnership. You, you could have a couple of writers who are working together doing different things. You could partner with some kind of an office uh, OBM, you know, business manager, um, those kinds of things. Uh, you know, I know copywriters who have partnered with product developers and use, they've done the marketing while the product developer created, you know, a supplement or a SaaS product or something like that. So there's lots of different things that we can do as partners. And I think it's definitely something that more of us should consider. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. So another thing that really stood out to me is Martha started out by talking about how she got started and the idea of being an apprentice for somebody else. And this is something I think um, is un really underrated and maybe not enough of us do. So if you're starting out like in an agency or even in-house, oftentimes you'll work with a senior copywriter or you'll work with a creative director or somebody else who can give you that guidance. But a lot of freelancers just kind of tough it out, which I think is why programs like the Accelerator can be really helpful. But I love that Martha found somebody that could give her direction and advice that she could learn from and that she could then provide something back, right, as part of that partnership. So um, I, she said that she was doing social media and she became the engine of the business. So she was giving something back in return for that feedback. And so I think that's, you know, another thing that more of us can be doing is just looking for that person for you know, whether it's a, an official apprentice relationship or just somebody who can give you that kind of feedback, really important. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think I had an unofficial apprenticeship when I started my business and I'm so happy I didn't jump into entrepreneurship right away like 17 years ago when I was still, still had so much to learn. I think many of us should be testing waters and trying different things and working with more experienced writers or other service providers just to get that critical experience because that's the, honestly the only way to, uh, not the only way, but the best way to get it. Yeah, experience and feedback are the, I think the two things that will help us grow 
the most. Um, okay, so last thing I just want to touch on while uh, we're still talking about this first half of the interview. Um, obviously, Martha is talking a lot about ADHD, and the second half of the interview will go even deeper. Um, you know, I'm not an expert at, at, you know, ADHD or, you know, any kind of attention disorders. I don't think that I have, I, sometimes I'm, I, you know, my attention strays or whatever, but I don't think that I've, you know, had that kind of an experience. Um, so I really appreciate that she's talking about this because, uh, you know, there are clearly others in our community and, and, you know, among entrepreneurs and people who start their own businesses, it's, pretty common. And so just being really upfront about some of those struggles. Um, but she said one thing that I think was really key um, that just kind of caught my ear. She said that, you know, things like mantras, positive thinking is not enough. You know, if you have something like this, it's, you can't just will yourself out of it. So yeah, if you're struggling with attention, talk to a doctor, you know, you, you may have this thing. And if a doctor can diagnose you and help you get treatment, whether that be, you know, pharmaceutical or other strategies for managing it, that just will help you not only in your business, but in your life. So worth, you know, uh, I, I'm just glad she shared so much about uh, her struggle with this. Yeah. And uh, I'm no expert either in this and I don't think I have it. However, it's funny when she was, when Martha was talking about it and she was listing things like, you know, jumping from task to task and task completion. I'm like, yep, I have that. Yep. I have that. I'm like, I wonder if I have it or not. So I definitely experienced something like that, but it got me thinking that, you know, it's, if something keeps happening in your life, if there is some type of pattern, if something keeps bothering you, maybe it's worth looking into it and kind of understanding maybe there is an underlying you know, issue or something that needs to be resolved to kind of have a better life or a better, uh, a more effective uh, working environment. So definitely worth uh, looking into things. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Paying attention to what's going on, noticing patterns, uh, negative patterns, positive patterns, like leaning into the stuff that works, figuring out the stuff that doesn't, if appropriate, talk to a doctor or a therapist or a counselor of some kind. But yeah, really important just to be aware of it because uh, if if we don't if we don't read those early signals, we can get a long way down, burnout, struggles, you know, failure, and th that's what we're all trying to avoid. All right, let's go back to the interview with Martha to hear how she deals with negative thoughts. Yeah, no, I mean it. It, it all sounds very very relatable. I found my I find <laughs> myself in many places in my life where I'm like why, what am I, what am I doing? Why am I here? What was I doing? Mm. Um, I'm wondering how you have kind of moved your way through that negative thinking, you know, that still might be with you where it's just, it can be a downward spiral or even just the shift now that you know, you have ADHD. Is it easier to, um, to not beat yourself up. I mean, how, how do you deal with that? Because it can be a constant, just like, why am I distracted? Why can't I get stuff done? Um, and maybe mm. you still deal with that today. It sounds like you were dealing with that maybe even Saturday. Oh my God. Um, what are some of your yeah. go-to activities or um, not tricks, but like to navigate through that so you don't beat yourself up all the time? Um, I'm in therapy um, and that is helpful. Um, I... I ha I didn't even realize, like, I am so self-critical that I didn't even realize that I was self-critical at all. So it's, that's a thing that I'm 
kind of working on. But what I noticed was like in the beginning, when I first kind of realized that I had ADHD, I was actually a lot more compassionate to myself because I was like, oh my God, like you aren't just like shit. (laughs) There's actually a reason. And so that made me feel better for a little bit of time. But the this interesting, like I'm so I'm the um, chairperson of my kids school board somehow. Um, and I had a big day of work this day. This was like a couple months ago. And I've got these two dogs and I was like, I'm going to take the dogs out. I'm going to like, I'll get all the things done. And I had like a folder with all the papers for the board meeting. This is related to your question. Um, And I like took the dogs out and one of the dogs rolled in. There's like dead kangaroos, ridiculous up in this like paddock near our house. And it rolled, rolled in a dead kangaroo and he got it on its like harness. And I took the harness out of, I mean, off the dog. And I was like, I'm just going to put this in a bucket of soapy water. And then I'm going to go to this meeting. And I put it in the bucket of soapy water. And then I left the house and the water is like full blast running into the bucket, into the sink, but there's like a kid's pair of pants in the sink. And so it is fully flooded. Right. And so I go to the meeting and I was like, it was great. I was like super impressive and all the board felt really like validated and we did a really good job and we did really important work. And then after one of the women who's on the board, who's a friend of mine was like, Oh, how's it going? And I was like, I am, (laughs) I was like, I am a mess if you want (laughs) to. And I was like, I'm overwhelmed and I'm overstimulated and I just feel crazy. And she's like, well, you were amazing in the meeting. And I was like, yeah, I was pretending like, that's what masking is, right? Is where you act like what you think you have to act like. And she was like, well, you're really good at it. And I said, well, yeah, I've been like, I think I've been doing it for my whole life. <laughs> and what I found, like, so I went home that night and my husband, who is just such a darling, he was panicking because he knew that I would be really hard on myself for flooding the laundry room. And so he had like cleaned it all up and he was just really worried about like how, upset I would be about it. But I actually found that like being honest with my friend and saying like, I feel awful and I've been faking this whole time and I've been masking that, um, honesty, like filled up, I call it like the resilience bowl. Like it filled up this little bowl of resilience for me that day. So that when I got home and David was like, the laundry room is completely flooded Instead of going into this like shame spiral, because he'd already cleaned most of it up. I was like, oh, the laundry room is flooded. And like, and I was like, that doesn't say anything bad about me as a person. It's just a fact. The laundry room is flooded. And David was like, who is this woman? And I was just like, I don't know. But like, and then I just went and like read my book. And I really think that having had that moment of like, honesty and acknowledgement helped, um, helped a lot to kind of regulate my overreaction or reaction to that thing. So that's sort of like not a hack. Um, but I think that just having a better understanding of why I have the reactions that I have can make me, you know, more compassionate. And then also like I, do have to, and I'm not good at this, but I do have to go like 
you need to just like take a break, you know, like, and I, now I can feel in my body when I need to take a break. And I don't, there's this thing called ADHD burnout, which is when you're just sort of like really, um, well, for me, I'm really sensitive to noise and I'm really exhausted and really irritable and everyone becomes my enemy. And just like, it's just rough. And that's when I'm like, oh, I need to like take some time off. I need to have like big, a big sleep and I need to just do less. And that's very hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. Rob, 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 I have to interrupt you. Are you going to ask the question I think you're going to ask? I hope you're going to ask about the kangaroo. Probably not. I'd say the kangaroo is to the end, but go. Well, let me ask my question first and we can come back to the kangaroo. So Martha, I'm really curious. Like you've talked about how, like how this has all impacted your life, your personal life, but how, how have you changed your business or the projects that you work on in order to make this work for your business, which I'm guessing there may be quite a few people who are listening and like, okay, this is resonating and maybe I need to make some changes in the way that I work with clients in order to make this work. Yeah. So the, I mean, like people with ADHD are some huge percentage more likely to be entrepreneurs. So Rob, I think that you are definitely right. Um, I think in terms of my business, I feel like I'm, I mean, for the past probably year, I've really been at a stage where I can, you know, say no to stuff that I don't want to do or that I'm not particularly interested in. So that has been really good because if I'm not interested in something, I mean, it's like, if anybody's not interested in something, it's difficult. But if a person with ADHD isn't interested in that thing, it's just like painful. So there's that. And then um, I really had a hard time kind of understanding like until when I was booked. So I would take on projects with really no, you know, and I would always be like, yeah, I can do that in two weeks. I can do that in two weeks. And finally I was like, I cannot do all of these things in two weeks. <laughs> so it's taken a really long time to get a system that really helps me to go, oh, when I'm on a call with somebody, I'll be like, oh, I can do that at like the end of November. And then I, because I have the system, I can kind of make that judgment and then not overbook. But the really important thing that I just kind of realized in the past few months is like, you know, when it's like Monday and you're like, okay, I'm going to get this done this week and I'm going to get this and this and this done this week. And then I'm just going to be like killing it. Um, I would kind of get to the end of the week and I wouldn't have done some of those things. And I would have done some of those things. And then I would feel really bad about like having not done all of them, but I've done like 17 other things that also need to be done. So what I've sort of realized is that like my brain is smart and it knows like what the real deadline is. So even if I try to fix like trick it and go like, oh, we're going to get this done by Friday. My brain's like, (laughs) girl, no, we're not. It is not due until whenever. And like, you know, that we work better, like under pressure. So I've kind of 
gotten a lot better at like trusting what my brain wants to work on at a given time. And like my brain, when that thing is like imminently due, my brain is suddenly like, okay, let's do it. But if I try to force it when my brain is not interested, it just takes like three times as much time. So yeah, those things have kind of helped. I've also had like a, I have a virtual assistant to do like, you know, admin stuff. Um, but I don't, that's not really like an ADHD hack. Um, but yeah, just that kind of understanding of like, you know, it doesn't mean that I'm bad at this. If I haven't done these six things, you know, if I've done three of them and I've done three other things that need to be done and none of the clients are mad and no one's calling me to say like, where is this thing? Like business is going well, just trust your brain is the biggest thing I think that I've learned in terms of my business. But have you changed the way that you work as far as like the packages you offer, you know, where you might not do a long-term website package. It's going to take six weeks. You might do more of a day rate, or um, I think you mentioned some other package. That's more of a speed, more about, you know, focus. and Yeah. So I do the hyper-focus week service, which is, and I, I chose that because of like, you know, it's urgent, right? So um, I do, yeah, I, I do a lot more of that now. Um, and that was as a result of kind of going like, ugh, these long projects and even like the, you know, monthly retainer client that, you know, maybe I do two blogs a month for them. And it was like, you know, that's always the thing that I leave till last. And it's always the thing that I'm like stressed about. I've yeah, been a bit more choosy about like, do I want to do that? Like, do I want to write about this topic for two blogs every month or don't I? And, and have kind of, yeah, switched around like maybe some of the clients that I would choose. Um, and, and yeah, have been, you know, more feeling like that's a thing that I can do kind of at this stage of the business. Okay. I'm still not going to ask about the kangaroo, uh, okay. but I do want to ask about how you're getting on stage. So seems to me that living in a, you know, very, in a, in a place that's very far away from everything, like getting yeah. on stages uh, would not be easy. And yet you've still, you've been a, a TEDx speaker. I think you're speaking in on other stages as well. Tell us about how you're doing that, you know, how are you making contacts? What does the pitch look like? And, um, you know, how are you landing the spots on stage that so many of us would also like to do? Um, I, so before, when I first moved to Perth, I worked as a training manager for a not-for-profit organization. And I have always really liked public speaking. And I think as a teacher, like that was a very natural thing. Um, I think for this business, it sort of started with like small, you know, local businesses that wanted to learn about whatever I was talking about. So social media or writing, a lot of them want to learn about like conversational writing because they just don't understand because as you know, it goes against like all the things we learned when we did our English degrees. So it's sort of started with like, oh, would you come to like our business network thing and teach the people about conversational writing or would you come and teach us how to you know you know one of them was like write how to write appropriately in business emails and I was like so I was like don't use these emojis like <laughs> um 
but so there was a bit of that. And then I think the TEDx thing was, you know, a friend of mine applied for the TEDx license and I just thought, oh, you know, I've had this ADHD experience and I think it's an important thing. So for that, I obviously pitched and you have to write like a basically sort of a, an outline of what you want to talk about and sort of why it's important. Um, and so that's how I kind of pitched that. But the other things have just been sort of organic in terms of like people will have seen me speaking about something and then ask if I'll come and speak at their thing. Um I'm speaking at the ADHD WA. So WA is Western Australia. That's the name of the state that we live in. So ADHD WA is having a conference and they saw my TED talk and they thought, oh, can you come and talk to us? And, and, and then like another time somebody called and asked me if I was a graphic designer and I was like, I am not a graphic designer. And she was like, oh, well, we're having like a conference and da, da, da. And I was like, well, do you need a, an MC? And she was like, yes, we do. And I was like, I'll do it. So it's just kind of about, I think, seeing the opportunities and letting people know that you can do that thing. And I, and I think even just like the act of putting a speaking page on my website was like a significant thing for me, I think, because it's like, well, I mean, am I this thing if I just say I'm this thing? And, and, and that is kind of how I've kind of gone through this business is like, I've found things that I really like and that I'm good at. And, and then I throw away the things that I don't like, like writing for social media and like no shade on anybody who does that. I just don't like it. So I don't do those things. And, and that's like, I think the privilege that comes along with owning your own business. And you're like, I, I don't want to do that thing. And if there is a thing, you just like tell people that you're good at it. And you know what? People in Australia do not toot their own horns. So the minute you have this accent and you're like, yeah, I'm great at that thing. Everyone's like, well, crikey or whatever. And then like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not as easy as that, but it it's a, I think a matter of like, yeah, putting yourself in situations where you can tell people that, you know, I'm, I'll give it a go and then you get good at it. And then people are willing to pay you money to do it. Yeah. I've heard other people talk about tall poppy syndrome in yes. Australia. It's like, if you raise your head, if you say I'm good at something, people cut you down, which um, sounds like an opportunity for those who are brave enough uh, to maybe stick out a little bit, but I guess you're going to have to take some of the criticism that comes with that occasionally. Well, yeah, the tall poppy thing is really interesting and I think it's an English thing um but it's this there's another phrase that I learned and you know since I've lived here for 15 years so I've picked up a lot of the vernacular but they'll say um that guy's got tickets on himself which is like you know he thinks he's pretty amazing and I was like oh I love that one. <laughs> such a good phrase yeah, I'm gonna um that. there's some yeah. really good like language isms in this country <laughs> Okay. So, you know, listening to you talk about how your business has grown and how you've moved through the business over the last few years um, and really a short period of time, it just sounds like you've got it going on. You know what you're doing. You've got it all figured out. So I'm just curious. Um, and I know that's never true, right? So uh, what is something that's a struggle today in your business that you're like, ah, like this is the next thing. And I'm just, I can't quite figure it out. Um, I think I'm at a stage where, you know, cause I, I really 
object to the idea that we constantly have to be like growing and looking and reaching and striving. Um, so I'm kind of at a stage where I'm like, I just want to enjoy like what is working right now. Um, I mean, I always struggle with like the money stuff and the, I don't know how much money I have. And I don't like, I mean, I know how much money I have, but I'm just like, I don't even, I'm that kind of financy. I'm not interested in that. So that's kind of just like, but I like a, a bookkeeper does that stuff, but I, yeah, I'm really just focusing on like the stuff that I do like and not, I'm just trying not to like obviously see what everybody else is doing and go like, Oh, maybe I need to do a course. Maybe I need to da, 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 da. So yeah, I'm, what am I struggling with? I mean, I am, I I'm always struggling with time management, which is a, a big ADHD thing, right? Like one of the executive function issues is time blindness. Like we just don't see, we just don't feel the passage of time. And like it happened before I got on this call, I'm at my friend's house it's like nighttime here. And we had finished dinner. And I was like, guys, and the people that I'm staying with, they all have ADHD too. And I was like, guys, I have this thing at 9 PM. We need at eight 30. I need to set up the mic. I need to da, 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 da. And we're just like having a great time chatting, chatting. And then my friend's like, Martha, it's quarter to nine. And we're like, Wah! and so we rushed around and we got it all set up. And, and so it's that kind of just like, you do need to like have routines and all of this stuff, but we really um, push against that. So, you know, it would probably work really well for me if I was like from eight to eight 30 every day, I'm going to do X, but like, I just cannot. Um, so that is just always a struggle. So Martha, as you look back at this journey, you've been on since, you know, late, 2019, uh, you know, building this business for yourself. Is there anything that you, if you could go back and maybe advise yourself, you know, from a couple of years ago, is there anything you do differently? Is there advice you, you know, give yourself and, you know, something that you should do that maybe you didn't do or something you shouldn't do that maybe you did? Um, this is going to sound like a really awful response, but I'm really happy with that. What happened with my business partner, like it just, that is the thing that allowed this business to grow and be sustainable at the rate that it has. Um, I'm not great at like, oh, I wish I had done this. Cause honestly, I don't remember like a lot of <laughs> stuff. I think I wouldn't change a thing is a perfectly good answer. So, okay. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. I, I'm, I am so happy. Like in this business. And I'm like, oh my God, like people are paying me to write and I love to write. And, and like, I've also started doing like some personal essay writing and it's just like, I'm doing this thing that I love. And like, I remember years ago, like when blogs, you know, like I used to read this young house love blog, which was like these people that lived in the States and renovated their house or something. And, and I was reading the stuff that they were writing and I was like, I could do this. Like I could do it, but I didn't even know it was a thing. Um, and so I'm just so like satisfied with the fact that like I can work at my house doing a thing that I enjoy and I don't have to drive 70 kilometers and like deal with parents. It's just great. <laughs> 
<laughs> Wait, but aren't you in charge of the school and the whole parent association? Well, that's just you the have to do my, parents. Yeah, that's like a, so. It's my kids go to this school. Oh my god, it's like a. It's in the woods. It's it's amazing. And so there's only like 80 kids at the school, and it's this beautiful little place where they're just like outside all the time, and they learn stuff. But it's just like you can see the ocean from their school. It's obscene. And so that, like, it's a governance role. So I'm not actually dealing with parents. I'm sort of, we kind of, you know, organize the school and then the teachers and the principals do all the things. Okay. Um, We're going to do a lightning round. Um, We're not great at it. So we're just still trying to get better. Um, My lightning round question, (laughs) just can you tell us about the king? Okay, this is not lightning round. Can you just tell us about the kangaroo? Because I don't understand why there are dead kangaroos laying around. Because somebody shot them. Um, it's fine. They are okay, Kira. I was driving last year and I've got a really big car. And I was driving like a hundred kilometers an hour, which is like a normal speed for driving on a highway. And a kangaroo they're so dumb it jumped right in front of the car and I smashed it and I was like oh my god and so I had you have this thing on the front of your car called a rhubar which is like a big metal thing because you're gonna hit a kangaroo for sure and this rhubar was like just like it was there anyway so yeah this kangaroo we live in like this very very you know a small town there's like 5,000 people and then at the top of our street there's like a paddock which I'm sometimes I forget what words we use in North America I guess it would be called a field um and so there's like forest up there and there's lots of kangaroos up there and people like people shoot them because they're a bit of they're a nuisance and they like mess with people's crops and stuff but this one might have just died but like for ages there's like a dead kangaroo up there and you forget and like let the dog go up there and it comes back just like like so stinky um but I mean there's good things about kangaroos too I guess like they're quite cute and I still get excited when like you know we pass them because they hang out like in you know kangaroo places um, so you know where you might see them. And then they're just like, oh, there they are. And there's like a little Joey hanging out. Oh, the like, Joey. So that's quite cute. But yeah. The, yeah, they're they're also like enormous. And I have a Labradoodle who like wants to be best friends with everyone. And he, so there's these red kangaroos and they're massive. Like they look like Chris Hemsworth. Like they're muscly, like a human. And my dog went up to this kangaroo and the kangaroos, like they stand and they're pretty tall. And then when they're trying to be scary, they stand. And I was like, this dog is dead. Like, because they just kick them. And my dog was like, no worries, man. See you later. Like he just, (laughs) so they're, they are intimidating. And like, you can kind of see them sometimes and you're like, oh, I'm like, I'm kind of a bit scared of you because they are big. Some of them. Yikes. Yeah, well, always... the other thing I should probably tell you is that like we were at the beach a couple of weeks ago and my two sons were with me and we like they had gone up the steps back to the car and then I was behind them with my friend. And then there was a two meter tiger snake, which is one of the world's most venomous snakes, just yeah. like on the side of the path. And so people were like, what do we do? And I was like, so eventually we just like walked past it. And then I said to Henry, my older son, when we got to the top, I was like, did you see the tiger snake? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, what did you do? 
And so here they tell kids to say good day and walk away. So he's like, I said good day and walk away. And I was like, what about Will? What did Will do? Who's six? Who's my younger son? And he was like, oh, I wasn't with Will. And I was like, the next time you see a tiger snake, could you please just go find him? And he was like, oh, yeah. yeah this is giving me yeah. some severe anxiety right now. I can't a minute ago, I was thinking, oh, I should live in Western Australia. Beaches, it's so nice. And then you said tiger snakes. You lost and us. Like, well, maybe you not. Lost both of maybe us. Not. Can't handle so. it. Well, and like I had these these spiders living in our roof called what are they called? Redbacks. Um, and I looked up, and there so they have very venomous bites. And I looked up, and there was this mother of a redback, and she had like four egg sacs in my roof. I was oh. like, we got to call the spider guy. So the spider guy comes, this is a job. The spider guy sprays and then they all die. So they're all just like, like coming down from the roof. Starting to see why people stick to the Eastern side of Australia. Maybe don't go to Perth so much. <laughs> they still have this stuff there. There's like more dangerous animals in this country than anywhere yeah. else. The people in New Zealand are like, we're like way all the way down here too, bro. And we don't have any of these things. <laughs> Yikes. Okay. So real lightning round question. I've heard you're a sore okay. loser when it comes to board games. What's your favorite board game? I like Taboo, which isn't kind of a board game. Um, and then another game I really like is called Mancala, which is this like stone game. But yeah, I like those two. Nice. I like just playing with the buzzer, the Taboo. Yeah. Oh. I'm just annoying. Because everyone. if people are rude, you can just be like, Bang. Yep, exactly. You just need that all the time. We should actually right. have the buzzer on the podcast, Kira. That might be a good addition. <laughs> we should have it on all Absolutely. of our calls. And- team meetings and all that. Um, <laughs> my lightning round question is what are you most excited about right now? Looking forward in your business, what, you know, project, what, what is it? Um, well, I guess I'm, ex I'm excited about the, um, hyper-focus week service. And I'm excited about like, people are kind of, you know, picking up what I'm putting down, I guess. And then the other day I got a, um, a, you know, thing on my website from a guy who is like a speaker scout or something. And I'm doing a one hour keynote speech for like one of the big four accounting firms in the States. And I was like, yeah, sure. I can, I'll do that. And so I'm, I'm excited about kind of that side of my business, which is, is growing. Um, but it's like, it's just, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just excited because like, it's, happening. It's, you know, it's good. I feel kind of like on top of things and I'm excited about that. That sounds amazing. So Martha, let's say somebody wants to connect with you, find out more about Word Candy. We'll definitely link to your, your Ted talk uh, in the show notes so they can check that out, but where should they go to uh, find out more about you? Um, so I'm on Instagram and my Instagram handle is at wordcandycoms, C-O-M-M-S. My website is www.wordcandy.com.au. I'm on LinkedIn, which is under Martha Barnard Ray. And I also write on Medium um, under Martha Barnard Ray. But that's just like my, my own yelling about issues like Britney Spears' conservatorship. 
<laughs> Yikes. So, okay. So I'm going to check that out too. We'll try to link to all of those things oh in God. the show notes, but um, thank you so much for joining us and sharing so much about ADHD, which I personally don't know a lot about. And it's been uh, fascinating, but I think also enlightening in a lot of ways. So thank you for that. That's the end of our interview with Martha Barnard Ray. Before we wrap, let's just talk about a couple of more things that stood out. And again, not being an expert at ADHD or that kind of thing, I think that a lot of what Martha was sharing applies to businesses across the board. It may be more applicable if you struggle with something like attention deficit, but you know, when Martha's talking about how she's got these things that she does to, to make sure she's not beating up on herself about not being able to do the things or accomplish tasks or, um, you know, having her attention pulled one way or another, specifically things like, you know, being compassionate on yourself, being honest with what's going on. So, you know, if you're masking or if you're faking and just realizing what's happening, having somebody to talk to as she does with her spouse, a therapist, um, you know, doctors, one other thing that really stuck out to me is, you know, she talked a little bit uh, about removing the morality from the stuff that goes wrong. So just because you struggle with something does not make you a bad person. Or if you don't struggle with something, it uh, doesn't make you a good person. I, I've heard this thing, you know, with exercise and diet, you know, you're not a bad person if you skip a workout or if you eat a donut, there's no morality attached to those kinds of things. But we do that to ourselves all the time. And I think, you know, what uh, we do it when we work, you know, oh, I, I wasn't focused today or I didn't get enough done. That's not a moral judge. There's nothing moral about it. Just some days are not as effective as others. And so removing that and, um, you know, just things like taking a break when you need one, all of that advice, I think is really applicable to all of us and not just to anybody with ADHD. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, having this, uh, when she talks about having a moment of honesty of how you're feeling, I think it's so important. I loved her moment in the laundry room, how she just like, yeah, okay, that happened. I think it's such a reminder uh, to us all that we just need sometimes to pause and acknowledge how we're feeling and we should do more of that. Like earlier this week, I was driving my kids to gymnastics and um, just before I hopped into the car, I got a bad email from a client and then two other things happened. And I kept like marinating in that uh, with my kids in the car and I kept just beating myself up how bad I'm feeling right now. And then out of character, I just stopped for a second. I'm like, okay, why am I feeling what I'm feeling right now? Is it really bad or am I really overreacting? Like just such a tiny exercise. But like if I didn't do that, I would be like spiraling, spiraling out of control. So I'm so happy I did that. And I should do more of that. I don't do nearly enough of that. Kind of just pause and think, what am I feeling? Is it okay? It's, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. So I definitely love that part of the conversation. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to frame it too. Just like you said, stop. What's going on? Why am I feeling the way I'm feeling? And uh, like you said, when Martha said, "Oh, that happened," uh, <laughs> that's a great reaction. Like, client just client just ended the relationship. Well, that happened, or you know, the I I didn't hit the mark on the copy that I wrote. That happened. Okay, what do we do to fix it? What do we do to move on? And I think it's a really mature way of looking at a business. So, um, a couple of other things that Martha shared just around how ADHD has impacted her business that she's learned to lean into things that work well and let go of the stuff that doesn't, that may apply to the kinds of clients that you work with, the kinds of projects that you do. You know, if, if 
Uh, and again, this applies to all of us, but you know, if websites don't work for you and I, I have to admit, I don't love writing websites, lean into something that you do love to write. And you know, for me, that happens to be sales pages and emails, those kinds of things. Um, if certain niches don't work, then, you know, don't deal with those niches, find the ones that, that do work, create systems that she talked about how she will overbook and not always be aware of, of the time constraints that she has, which again, is something I think a lot of us struggle with and just having systems that, that, um, accommodate that, you know, trusting that, you know, what's going on, listening to yourself, which goes back to what you were sharing, Masha, just, you know, about taking a moment to stop and think about what's going on. Yeah, I like really laughed out loud when I heard her talking about like overbooking and making promises. Yeah, I can deliver that in two weeks and then 17 other things in two weeks. And how she said that your brain is so much smarter that you can't actually do that. I tend to do this all the time, promising things, even looking at my calendar. I was like, oh, yeah, I can do that. I can still do that because you have this feeling that you still have like so much time, but you have to be realistic about things. And I absolutely love the point about not doing the things that we love. Obviously, there are things that, you know, we don't love and we still do, but making that conscious decision and intentional decision. I love working on website copy. That's my ultimate favorite project, but I would not take on a sales page. I'm not good at, well, I shouldn't say I'm not good at it, but I know what I like and I do. And it's equally important to know what you don't like doing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the way that I figured it out is, you know, when I would take on website projects and I would start to procrastinate, you know, and I would push it back and push it back. And like, I just did not want to work on it. And after that happening three or four times, I realized it's because I just don't enjoy it. It's, you know, it's not even the client necessarily. I just don't like that kind of writing. Um, whereas, like, you know, unlike you, but me, sales, like I get jazzed about. It. I love writing sales pages. So um, yeah, focusing on the things that you love, staying in your lane, another thing that Martha shared. And I, I think it's really apropos. Um, she did, we, we talked just briefly about speaking. Uh, Martha was on, you know, TEDx stage and she mentioned creating a speaker's page, a speaking page on her website. And this is another thing I think more copywriters should be doing. Uh, we, Kira and I have one on the uh, Copywriter Club page um, that you know talks about some of the stuff that we would do. But I think that this is an opportunity for a lot of us just saying, hey, we are available to talk about and then whatever it is, like you might want to talk about how do you assemble a great web page or a website, you know, or how do you architect something like that? Or maybe you do something in your niche that is, you know, so you can go talk at a conference in your niche about marketing, about how to get in front of the right clients, how to connect uh, all the things that we do as copywriters sort of in the background. But there's a lot of opportunities out there. The speaking page is maybe a starting point for a lot of us just to say, hey, we're available um, before we even start pitching or, or going out looking for those uh, opportunities. Yeah, it's such a great idea having that page on your website. And, and I just love how Martha just agrees to think without even kind of getting exposed to that or agreeing to doing something new, I think. More of us, or maybe like speaking for myself, I should do definitely more of that, just agreeing to think, like agreeing to co-host a podcast when I've never even been on one and it petrifies the hell out of me. So I absolutely love that, agreeing to new things before fully thinking it through because I think it helps you grow and it helps you get uncomfortable. And I love being uncomfortable, by the way. Um, and it just helps you get into the spaces and things that would get you somewhere. And I think it's good for your business, for your personal growth, for everything. 
It's definitely good for business. I don't love being uncomfortable. I like being perfectly comfortable, but like you, you know, when you say yes to things, when you look at new opportunities, it does help you grow. It helps you do more things, better things. And that experience reflects back on the other stuff that you do in your work. And so, you know, doing something like speaking on stage um, can actually make you a better copywriter, a better communicator because of the feedback that you get and the experience of putting together a speech. Uh, it all works together in, in one greater whole. At the end of the podcast, we talked a little bit about kangaroos and spiders and snakes. I'm not sure that I want to you know, dive too much into it, but uh, having been to Australia once before, uh, maybe we think, um, you know, who knows? Uh, no, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to going back. Uh, maybe we get to hang out with Martha at some point, but I'll be keeping my eyes open for all of the things down there that were killed. <laughs> Sounds fun. We want to thank Martha Bernard Ray for joining us on the podcast today. If you want to connect with her, you can head over to wordcandy.com.au. Um, it's Australia, so not just .com, which we will also link to in the show notes just in case you want to find her and you're, again, out driving or doing something. You can't write that down right now. And that's the end of this episode of the Copywriter Club podcast. The intro music was composed by copywriter and songwriter Edison Rice. The outro was composed by copywriter and songwriter David Munter. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please visit Apple Podcasts to leave me a review of the show. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Copywriters coming together to help the world write better. Copy and make more money. Kira and Rob's Copywriters Club.